0: Hello, what's going on, Torque Talk? My name is Rich Ryan, going to bring you through it. So we have some race recaps on the way for you. This previous weekend, there were five members of Torque who were out there racing. Five out of the eight male uh, teammates were out there doing their thing, and four of them ended up on the podium. And the one who didn't was Vince Bukowski. He got fourth. So a tremendous weekend for the dudes out there in Torque. So quick recap, uh, we had this stadion in... Washington DC, Nick Riker took second. Logan Broadbent took third. Logan missed two obstacles in a stadium race and got third place. That's just ridiculous. Everyone was like, he was incredibly fast, so fit, but just missed some obstacles. So which is unlike him, but that was an unbelievable accomplishment, I would say. Third place with two with two missed obstacles is crazy. Nick Riker getting second, also great. Really, really nice. Then we had two athletes out in DC Seattle. Beast. Vince Pukowski, who I mentioned before, got fourth. And Nick Mosk, who you will hear in this podcast, who got first overall. And Vince Pukowski, you'll also hear about his fourth overall finish. And we had Sean Stevens-Whale at the first race at the Canadian National Series taking first place controversially. Nothing that he did, but he ended up in first place by some controversy. And there was a reinstatement of the of uh, Mick Jarello, who did win the race, who was then DQ'd. He's been reinstated back into, I think, about fifth place or something like that, which does change a little bit of the conversation that we have for the overall series. So we were all very excited. So on the podcast now, we'll have Nick Mask, Sean Stevens Whale, well, Vince Bukowski talking about their races at Seattle and Red Deer. Let's do it. All right, Nick Mask, what's up, dude? Not nothing much. Just hanging out. Just hanging out, getting your recovery on. So you ran the Seattle beast almost kind of out of nowhere. I think Vince Bukowski told me you were racing like the week of, I was like, Oh shit. I didn't. I, cause as far from what I understood is that like, you were still kind of on the man, you were still like kind of come back. And then I hit you. I was like, dude, you're running this race. You're like going to do all three. I was like, "Yeah, all right. Spoiler
1: didn't happen. um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no. Um, I, yeah. So I bought the race ahead of time. Like most people do uh when i was healthy and then uh-huh. i had i had this knee injury come up like six months ago i think like may april and i was like oh i'm probably not going to do any races and i had been doing physical therapy for like two months and just like right at the end of it i was like i'm feeling pretty good with pain tolerance maybe i'll i'll go because i already signed up uh, and then vince asked me about it and he's like hey are you doing this race and i was like yeah i think i'm think i'm gonna do it and then i got a little ahead of myself like trying to do all three for sure but uh <laughs> it's my favorite venue so like not doing seattle when it's the like the second closest spartan race to where i'm at uh and it being like my favorite one to go to it's like if i can do it even if i probably shouldn't i'm, I'm gonna do it
0: yeah or yeah. portland you did have to miss a couple weeks ago which would probably be the closest one right
1: yeah, Portland. I I originally had on my book, and then I looked at it, and I looked at how I felt, and I was like, the the racer in me wants to do it, um, but I just couldn't. Like there there was no way when when Portland happened that I was in the condition to be doing it. I probably would have just got re injured. Mm-hmm. So. And
0: it's just a sprint, you know. Yeah, and that's to- not my my favorite distance anyway. So. So what was the so before we get into the race itself? What was the knee injury had going on? Because we were talking talking through throughout it, but it seemed like there was it was kind of unclear. But it was like the one thing that was constant was pain. So you knew that you had to recover at some point. So what 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 do you think it was? Um,
1: Honestly, I don't know what it is still, and neither does my physical therapist or anyone I've seen with it. Um, Basically, I just know that it's like really bad uh it's like really bad like pain uh sharp pain right underneath the kneecap uh so anytime i try to get any power out of the leg so like jumping lunges squats like any loading onto that knee was like eight out of ten fire immediately don't do that uh where you kind of just like oh i, I can't make that movement and the weird thing was it would also hurt if i kept it bent too long so like if i was in a car for more than two hours i yeah. get just like super dull aches that just mm-hmm. like felt like growing pains almost which i'm not i'm not growing unfortunately anymore <laughs> but <laughs> uh yeah so it just kind of hurt in different ways and at first it wasn't too bad and then i really messed it up when i was coaching a high school track team in the <laughs> spring because i was uh hanging out around the high jump and i i jumped off it a little too hard and <laughs> i felt, I saw something that time, and it was like that's that was really bad,
0: well you're just getting excited you're like counting out your steps, like going through that turn, trying to yeah, make that I pivot just,
1: um, an approach uh for steps, yeah, and like how to kind of approach to the high jump, nothing crazy, and I just popped up to kind of like pop up the bar and oh that was it. that was too much that was would, too much
0: i would uh I, w- I went to the u s a t f level one years ago, do you have that? USATF level
1: one. No. Like no. coaching?
0: Yeah, coaching, coaching I cert. I was in, certified in something, but I don't think it was that. There the, the certifications are just ridiculous. Especially for like track like track and field and running. I'm just like and like what I've gone through, like they don't really teach you anything. And that's what the USATF was it was just like this general, like <laughs> talking about everything but like a real small amount and like talking about the high jump, it'd be cool to like get into and learn the high jump a lot to get like the nuts and bolts of it. It's like really oh, technical. Yeah. Every, I mean,
1: every single event in track was like, what 16 to 20 of them, depending on if you're indoor or outdoor, but like every single one of those is like a 10 year learning curve. Yeah. You know, like javelin is so technical oh and, and then it's so different than high jump, which is so technical. So I really feel like in that sport, you have to have just multiple coaches. You can't yeah. have, one person who knows everything about all of them it's like you people don't live long enough (laughs) you will just be a bad so amazing it's like they know so much
0: who are amazing the catholics oh yeah yeah right like just to learn those technical skills of javelin and shop but where it's like essentially they're like weightlifters right like like they're doing Uh clean and jerk and snatch and stuff like that only like Uh moving a little Key bit more.
1: that are great jumpers and they still do the distance events. Like, I mean, a athlete does a 1500.
0: No. Yeah. I meant, I meant like I was talking about just that they could learn oh, the technical yeah. part and then still have mm-hmm. capacity to improve their speed and their, yeah. and their endurance. Pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I wasn't a athlete. <laughs> I wasn't either. I wish I would have like looking back now, I was like, man, I, w- I bet I could have done. Okay. I wouldn't have done well in the strength stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, and the men have to learn pole vault, right? Yeah, it's terrifying. Some people would be like that. I... <laughs> I don't think it should be a track and field event. You don't think so? It's so different. Like, if you can't take a if so, – they're so specialized that they can't contribute on the on the track team like anywhere else. They're gymnasts to me.
1: Wow. The best, though, are, like, really good sprinters because the speed you need to hit, you know, plant the pole is enormous. So I think a lot of really good pole vaulters can still sprint. Hmm. Uh, it is specialized though. Like usually when you got a pole vaulter in your team, that's their, that's that's their still, thing. It's know, so like technical. A, it's not like a sprinter who can be a great long jumper and also maybe like diversify in other things. But yeah, it's definitely the weirdest one, right? It, the, the, it's the one
0: thing that doesn't belong.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty odd. I mean, I, we could say the same thing about steeplechase, right? Like, people would make that's, fun of us. That's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, not only is distance the kids on the team who are like, well, race means something really long – it's like the kids in the distance squad We're like, we'll put water in the hurdle <laughs> Like, it's so the
0: like Yeah. It's like, let's just keep making events until we find one that everybody can be good at. So yeah, that,
1: there we go. That's yeah. what the single chase feels like. So I can't really talk.
0: <laughs> Which is kind of what OCR is. So here oh, we absolutely. so full yeah. circle. So you went into this event. We weren't sure if this was something you weren't like I didn't had no idea. And like it sounded like it was kind of a last second thing to kind of jump into, but you won. You yeah, won, you won the race. And this was a race that you won in 2019. And 19, yeah. I believe as well. It was the last time I had the race uh, mm-hmm. at that venue for the Beast Distance. So, the the in 2019, there was a good feel. There was still like Aaron Newell and Josh Fry who were on the podium with you. But the way that you kind of talk about that race is that you kind of went out, things felt comfortable, and then you find yourself by yourself after a long running stretch. Um, yeah. And so, with right. this course,
1: okay, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say like that race, they're very different. Like this year in 2019 is so different. I like to think that in 2019, I got away with being nobody, you know, Uh like no one knew anything about me. Uh, I was just, you know, the dumbass who took off and was going (laughs) to come back later. Um, And partially I probably was, and I just got really lucky that I felt good that day. But like, it was really nice that no one really worried about me making that gap. Mm-hmm. whereas i knew i wasn't gonna have that this year
0: mm-hmm.
1: like especially because like i've already talked with vince like maybe if maybe if vince and i weren't both on torque but because we already knew about each other i was like i can't just be a nobody you know
0: and like josh uh, fry was going to be at the race at, oh, least, at least yeah josh already knows about me too he knows who you are and, 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 and... like like
1: i think i've almost all my races i've raced with josh so he uh, yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> so of course yeah i once you once someone knows you're like even slightly good at just running on flats, it, I don't think they let you go as hard again. So
0: you're at least a threat then. Like if you like that one race, and then maybe Josh looks into you a little bit and be like, "Oh, this guy is actually like," a and then you ran OCR stars with, and ran that 420 or something in the mile solo. 420. Was that what it was? Four, I think. Oh, four twenty-four. I thought it was four twenty. 420. Yeah, four twenty-four. Yeah, I've you're read right. a four twenty.
1: It just—it was a long, long time
0: ago. Yeah. <laughs> but last year, and but this was your first real obstacle course race in two years almost. Two, year, two years, or so. Like I
1: did a I did a Sacramento sprint and super uh, two no- Novembers ago. But like, yeah, I'm coming up on two years. So this race was the course the same
0: as almost identical. Yeah,
1: uh, literally, they laid it out. To a T, almost identical. Uh, the first, I want to say the first eight miles, the course itself, pathwise, was the same. The obstacle order was different. Okay. Um, so they changed up the obstacle order. I think it was a little bit easier up front and harder in the back. Um, there was, like, nothing the first four miles, it felt like. And, and so that really allowed us to set the pace quick because it was, like, three walls, maybe and, and
0: not really even
1: hills or anything uh no it was pretty flat like there's there was an intermittent like 10 foot hill but you had so much speed going into it that so you know like okay uh it wasn't like hefty trail work it wasn't technical terrain we didn't have the creek yet so it really felt just like uh you know like a cross-country 8k to start it off
0: and so that would typically be to your advantage and but in this race in particular this race is Pretty stacked, honestly. Uh, yeah, yeah. There was
1: there was a lot of good people there. A lot
0: of good dudes. Like so, like I would say this would be to your advantage. But but uh Vince Pikowski who we're going to talk to uh, later, and he he's in great shape, and he's new to the sport too. So but but uh, so of course, like this mm-hmm. is up his wheelhouse too. He's like okay, great. I don't have too much to worry about through the first. How long was this flat section? Long, like three and a half. Okay, so like yeah, so for the first. I- 5k or so there's not a ton to worry about for someone who's inexperienced and a fast runner and you had chris bob brown who's also (laughs) a a very fast runner as well right and has more experience but is like a good runner so between the three of you like the running pedigree is there and then you have ocr athletes like like josh fry who we mentioned matt Mm -hmm. rock who is no joke taylor Turney, who's really solid Mm -hmm. like a bunch of dudes came out for this race probably one of the most uh, competitive non US National Series races that we've had this year. For the, um,
1: especially for the Northwest. Like the Northwest does yeah. not have a lot of OCR, like, uh, six star power. I don't know what you'd call it. Like there aren't a lot of like well-known racers up here. Mm-hmm. So seeing that many recognizable faces, cause I don't know a lot of people in sport, you know, I see what I see on Instagram and like what OCR media puts out and, you know, like the big names, but I, I literally parked in the venue and I opened up my RV and I lock eyes with Chris Brown and I was like, <laughs> damn, I know who that is. And I've never even spoken to him. Uh, so, just, like, yeah, seeing seeing that many people who I knew were going to be strong runners, I was, like, maybe this is going to be really hard.
0: And even – so, that was, like, seven guys deep. And even after that, it was John Howell and John Howard. So, like, if you have an, a not-great race, which I don't think we we'll need to talk about the Super too much, but the Super, you had a not-great race, and you were, like, in seventh, right? Because there's enough people there that you can't just
1: – Yeah, it was, it was like – everything that should have happened to me in the beast happened to me in the super. Like I, I could say like, Oh yeah, I had a really terrible race and I got really unlucky. Like I missed the spear again and I, you know, I slipped off the beater and like, it was really bad conditions, but like one, everyone has those conditions. And two, I walked into this thing knowing I was in not good shape. Uh, I like, did not prepare for any obstacles and haven't been <laughs> practicing them for two years. Like, so every bad thing that should have happened did happen in the super. So honestly, it's like, it was a bad day, but it was a very like expected, like I should have seen it coming.
0: Well, it's like, you made a deal that way. It's like, how about I have one good race and one yeah. terrible race. And like, that yeah, was part I would, of the deal. I
1: would be lying If I didn't say like, I cared about the beast more like the totally. first race is definitely the one out. Cause like, I love the distance. My favorite distance is Spartan. Uh, and it's the first one. So, of course, you're going to hammer that one the hardest. I would have loved to do really good in the Super 2. And I think I took it out to be in a place where I could. But, like, yeah, like reality set in, the law of averages set in. I like, did <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> burpees with the slugs and uh, you know, I had, had an all right time. <laughs>
0: So for the beast though, the race, as you said, is flat, not a ton of obstacles happening and in, uh the first so often or whatever. But then so how do how did things kind of play out? Was it a group of you guys? You know, I mentioned how well as deep of a field it was, or were you pretty assertive up front? Like how did the race dynamics play out in like that early part?
1: Yeah. So my plan with the early part, cause I knew the venue and neither Vince or Chris, I don't think had ran that style of the course. Uh, so I knew going in, I was like, okay, this is where I could capitalize. Like if they don't go out hard, I could really take it out, you know, see where I'm at, like, you know, just give it a good shot. Uh, and so I thought that was going to be, you know, my part. Uh, and then maybe I get reeled back in, but I was like reverse wrong. Um, and right out the gun, Chris and Vince, like, just sent it. They were gone. And so I was put in a place where I was like, okay, they're going faster than I'm comfortable with. I am not in a position I like, but if I let him go, like, that's it. I'm not going to see him again. Stuck back here with Josh. And I know Josh can eat me up on obstacles like any day of the week right now. Um, Like he's just, he's definitely more fluid and I knew it. So I was like, I can put myself with a dude who I knows better at most of the things or I can just like be really uncomfortable and hope it settles down. Like I was guessing that one of them wanted to just blow up the field and have it be like a an easier podium kind of deal. Mm. And so, yeah, those first like three, four miles was just hanging on. Like they were hmm. running together. I was like 10, probably 10 meters back and I was just like trying to remain contact the whole time.
0: Because I know... Chris did that in Asheville at the U.S. National Series. Took it out, took it out, and they were sub five uh, after like three walls. But okay. he, and he also came back. He also had just done the CCC, which is what a hundred k.
1: He so just weird. yeah. So Chris had done two weeks ago. He did yeah, like a sixty-one miler.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah,
1: yeah, so he was probably destroyed. Like. There's no way his body
0: recovered entirely. Right. And no, 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 no. But he still probably had that in mind. It's like, well, let me see if I can get away. Probably like, yeah. yeah, So he's just trying to do that. And then, you know, that's when Vince was looking at it the same way. It's like, probably the same way that you were. It's like, this is where I need to capitalize. Like, if I'm going to do well in this, it's going to become because I'm I'm fast. So you hung on and when did that kind of change then where you were able to kind of catch up a little bit Did that naturally happen, or did you have to decide to to catch back up
1: I had to work for it for sure like I knew I could feel them relaxing a bit like I I could see it in their form and I was like okay they're letting off they're not like surging out of corners anymore they were looking back a few times checking the field and uh, so at that point in time I put down probably like a 10 second surge and I caught back into them and then we all kind of started talking for a little bit, just like, you know, short comments here and there. Uh, And then at some point I popped out in front because I just wanted to like have the feeling. Sometimes it's nicer to just be in the front of the pack. Mm -hmm. And so I was chilling up there and I felt, decent. Like I felt like I had caught back up with my aerobic fitness wherever it was. And I didn't know we were running as fast as we were at the time. So my brain was like, okay, we're probably doing like six thirties. We're fine. And it was faster, but like, as long as I didn't know that I'm good. Right, right. Um, and then like a horse jumped in the race. It was super funny. Like a whole stampede of not stampede, like a, just a group of horses <laughs> they're, like, they're running at us. And then all of them leave, but one, and he hops into the course or she, I think it was a male horse i don't know um (laughs) and we were following it for probably a good like 200 meters 300 meters and it's just right in front of us looking back having a good time running in the race so you know like the horse just jumps in and then after the horse leaves uh i noticed there was like a small little gap and i just pressed a little pressed a little and vince went with me uh and we went into this like wooded section it started to become like trails with rolling hills and that's where i felt like there was a little bit of separation from chris and i was like we we gotta go and i i told uh i told vince i was like we we gotta leave this guy now if we can because he's a monster like he's really strong runner uh he's really fluid through the obstacles like he he I know who this guy is, and I've never raced him. Like, I don't want to be near him at the end of the run.
0: He was second the last uh, U.S. National Series he ran in Asheville. He finished second overall. Yeah, well, he, like he, he beat Atkins, he beat Kempson, yeah, he beat Batchus. He beat a bunch of a bunch of guys.
1: And I didn't know if Vince knew he was, and so I was like, "Is we're teammates, dude? Let's work <laughs> together right now. Like, yeah. we can figure out our problems six miles later if we're still together. But like, but priority one is get away from this dude. Uh, and so we made a really hard push to the woods um and i think that's where we made our first separation
0: nice where's that was that about halfway i got the map up here i'm like i would say that
1: was at mile four that's we're like running through the backwoods it like it's a little bit more uphill there's a few times where i use my hands to like climb up um Uh. and then it's got pretty steep like short descents and then it will whip you 90 degrees it kind of like how 2019 2019, I think 2019's uh, Seattle Super for the national series was. It's started where the start of that race is. Okay, uh, so it's like yeah, thick woods, hilly, blackberry bushes, and you're kind of just scrambling for like a mile.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we yeah, kinda, it's pretty technical. We kind of punched it there, and then I I started really flying on the downs because I was like, oh, this doesn't take as much energy, so sacrifice the body a little bit, uh, and got out of the clearing ahead just a little bit.
0: Was, he able to, was Vince able to come respond to the downs at all?
1: Uh, I think we were both a little cautious at first, and then he kind of stayed that way through there. I don't know, because I got out in front, and then when I felt the separation from Vince, I was like, I got to go. Like, I got to leave him to, I got to leave everybody, because I didn't know when I was going to hit the wall. <laughs> and I'd rather hit it when someone's a minute behind me than like right when they're breathing down my neck on the bucket or the, the sandbag. Like, those are places I know I'm going to get got, because I'm, you know, 145 pounds. I'm not... I'm not a big guy. So Mm -hmm. the carries I know are where people can eat me up. And I like to have a huge gap.
0: And it is so visual, especially in that part of of the course where it turns so often that if you can separate and get Mm -hmm. out of people's line of sight, it's like it's a different race then.
1: You're gone. And they have no idea if you're a minute ahead or 10 seconds ahead. Right. As soon as I stop hearing breathing, that's when I start pushing. And so a lot of the really gradual uphills, I was just like pressing them. Uh, and then letting my body kind of relax and fly down the downs. And I probably, it was the huge energy expenditure on the beginning of that race on those ups, because it was like, if no one else is going to do it here, this is a chance to, to kind of separate.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. that's how I, like the way you're speaking. It resonates with me. Like how I like to race. I almost, it's not like that. I'd rather be hunted, but I'd rather, I feel like I push harder when I have the lead. You know, yeah, like yeah. now now is the time I need to really step on the gas and go, as opposed to like trying to run somebody down. I get more energy when I'm like dropping people.
1: Yeah, it, and it's weird because I love chasing too. Like I like having a person that I'm breathing down their neck, and I know I feel good. Like hunting is fun too, but in Spartan it's hard because there's these things in the way. If it was <laughs> yeah. an open race, I would like to chase. But when I know there's these barriers that are going to come up and I'm going to probably struggle more than most people, even if I'm fit for them, which I didn't feel like I was that day. I, I like to have the room because it's like if you can make a big enough gap, it, you kind of get it right then and there. You know, mm-hmm. you haven't won, but you have an opportunity to like kind of steal the win
0: earlier. I agree. I, I agree. So so you kind of put yourself in that position again. So before, before the halfway point, yep. and then are you pretty much just putting the pedal down as far as like, just waiting for it to catch up to you? Or are you like, okay, I'm okay. And at this point you're out of the hills and in the, in the,
1: out of the uh, hills we did, like, it was like barbed wire crawl into or like bucket carry into barbed wire, into uh, rolling mud. And when I got and then slip wall, and when I got through all of those, I was pretty tanked. Like I could feel how tired I was, okay. but my strategy in the beast, which I probably wouldn't recommend for people who are like wanting to win these things to do well was after each obstacle, I didn't punch it. I like let my whole breathing reset. Huh. And, uh, I kept trying to think in my head, like, okay, like flow state breathing, lower my heart rate, do not get caught up in like trying to go, go, go the whole time. Cause I won't be able to, uh, so out of every obstacle, I took like a good five to 10 second, just really slow, uh, catch up my breathing, like kind of get back into my cadence, and then I'd press it again. Uh, so I lost a lot of time, I think, doing that. But then when I hit those open, you know, 800-meter flats, they felt so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and going to it- halfway, I felt pretty good. Um, I felt like if I hit the spirit halfway, I had the race won.
0: And I like that because if you – from a spectator's perspective, if I saw – that happened. Like, Oh, that person is, is struggling. Like they're coming off the obstacles and it's like taking their time to get back into it. But that was a deliberate choice. It wasn't like a forced
1: No, like, and it's walk. Been forced. Yeah. Before. Like after the yeah. bucket, like I'm forced, you know, it's not <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I've talked with racers about it. Like, uh, Ian Darrell, or I think it's how you say his last name. Yeah. Out of California told me like, you want to get really good at these things. You have to have perfect transitions in and out. And I did not have perfect transitions out, but it's like, you have to make a sacrifice somewhere in these uh you can't be perfect on the obstacles on the run on everything and just be the best at all of it
0: so especially when it's your first race in two years coming up yeah, of, and coming again off.
1: like uh, that was the nice thing was the whole time i was running i was like at the end of the day not a lot of expectation like i want to win uh and, of course, no matter how bad I feel, like, I want to push it through the whole thing. But I didn't have the stress of, like, I should win
2: this. Right.
1: Uh, especially when I saw the field. I was like, oh, like, if I make podium, that's really good even when I'm ready for this. So be- being in front halfway, I was like, okay, like, nerves are gone uh, minus for the spear because, like, I just hate that
0: obstacle. So that was right in the middle of this, which I appreciate and I, I don't like what they've been doing with putting the spear at the end of these races. It's like this whole dramatic race happens and then someone misses and then it's like, oh, okay, well, never mind. <laughs>
1: the spear in the beginning and the end is like a farce. Like yeah. why, why? But that in itself is saying something. When you have an entire race dictated on fitness and how good you are at being a multifaceted athlete for all these strength and speed things. And then they just throw in this like, accuracy piece yes it's a skill and accuracy i understand that like it it ties back in with like actual spartan culture and yes it it is a skill but the impact the spear has on the race is bigger than any obstacle it's disproportionate yeah period like yeah and like if you miss even by a hair like like my on the super when i missed it i was like maybe three inches below it and it doesn't matter it's the same thing as being you know three inches onto it you know it's just Mm. I missed it and it's unlucky. And
0: that's an interesting point. Like how, how it is like disproportionately weighted for something that is the only piece. Like, it's not like, it's not like there's like five things that are like that, like a carry, right. There's like three or four carries in a race. Yeah. And so like, they're all kind of weighted out the same. It's just this one thing that is like worse for you to miss than, than most things. What do you think would be a better option? Like, There's two I,
1: that I've come up with. I, like, I think about this. <laughs>
0: all right. I hate the spear.
1: One is the penalty loop, and they've done it in the past. They've given a penalty loop for it. You know, okay, you miss it. Sucks. You go do a 200-meter, 100-meter penalty loop. You lose time, but you are not thrashed from the burpees. And I get that the burpees are the punishment for the miss, mm-hmm. but – It'd be one thing if you had to do the workload of 30 burpees, that's already tiring and it destroys the athlete for the rest of the race, unless you're really, really fit, but it's stagnating. Standing in one spot for a minute to a minute and a half is like, it's so damaging because now if you do that and you have six miles left in your race, great. Every mile you run has to be 10 to 20 seconds faster per mile. That's not doable.
0: Yeah. So it's like the time that it takes to actually do them and the energy that you expend to do them. It's like, I think it's three minutes, you know? So pick
1: one. Yeah. So pick one, like either make it have to do this really difficult task that allows you to keep moving
0: or like a a carry.
1: Yeah. Or like look at it like this. They have penalty loops, but you stay in the same spot, right? Mm -hmm. Make it where you have, if you hit it, you go down the course. If you miss it, you go down this path right next to the course and it has obstacles in it or it has a carry in it or it had like you're still making progress on the course, but it's harder.
0: You know, interesting. So you get the, so you get the, okay. So it's more like if you hit the spear, it's, it's like a positive thing as opposed to avoiding a negative thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Or, and I'm more in favor for this one, if they keep the spear in, which they will, is if you miss reel it back in and throw it again. And you're not allowed to, to leave until you hit it. I understand mm-hmm. that clogs the age group. So mm-hmm. maybe you can't do it for non-elite races, but for the elite race, where the people care about their finishing and there's only like a hundred people max in these heats, you're not gonna have that many misses. It's just not gonna happen. And this is – this is
0: I like this because this is kind of along the lines of what the tire flip does, right? Like yes. you can have multiple t- chances to do it, and eventually it's like, okay, you're better off doing burpees mm-hmm. or yeah. taking the penalty. So sure. it's like if you're just doing terrible at the spear and, like, you miss it five times in a row, it's like, okay, now you have the choice to take burpees or miss it five more times, and, like, there's, like, a long time. I think that's fair.
1: The spear takes a while to reel in. Like, after you miss and go, ugh, like, that's going to be another – 20 seconds to read uh-huh. everything.
0: Yeah. And if you rush it,
1: then you're punishing yourself. So like, yeah. And then a, a miss spear is a 20 second, you know, disadvantage. It's not
0: three know, minutes.
2: three minutes,
1: And yeah. like other obstacles, I think the burpees are justified because, you know, like you should probably be able to do some of them, you know, like walls and uh, like the buckets, non-negotiable. You have to do, Gotta do it. But the spear is like, you can be the greatest athlete in Spartan. And if you miss it, That's it. Didn't that happen to uh, like Woods in the world championships?
0: Yeah. A a bunch of athletes missed in Tahoe two years, like in, in 2019, like Woods got to the top first, missed it. Ruined his race. Johnny little yeah, like, even missed it. Ruined his race.
1: What do you do now? Your hands are like planted in ice
0: for that. That's exactly minutes. what happened. Yeah. Well, good so,
1: luck. Like, well, sorry, you trained a whole year for this and you traveled all this way and spent a thousand dollars, but you uh, missed a spear by two inches. It what's supposed to be a spear rant, but like, that's my opinion
0: about it you you're you've been thinking about it i'm i'm interested woods uh <laughs> woods actually that day because it was like they did the made the burpee pit in like a, a mud pit like it was wet oh. and muddy and like so woods was kind of like going down and not like chest all the way down so he got huge penalties on on his burpees too which is just oh, another that's, thing
1: that's the other frustrating part so after the beast i won but i don't know that because right I have to wait at the venue for a whole hour and constantly check this iPad to make sure some dude who apparently isn't counting my burpees counted my burpees. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. No one's going to count your burpees for you. Count them they'll out be, loud. They'll, they'll tell you if you miss you know, right. it's, like, it's like tax season. It's like, tell us how many you did. And we know But you have to tell us. (laughs) You have to get it right. Like, (laughs) and so I'm just nervous the whole time because I'm like, I don't know how much I beat Chris by. Like, if it's if if I beat him by 29 seconds and I missed one burpee, or they say I did because my chest is a half inch above the ground. Like, oh, that's that's it.
0: I know that's a good point about like yeah when they count like those are things you don't know. That happened in the race in Canada. Sean Stevens Whale ended up being the winner of the winner. Mick seemed to stay in the course, but didn't go through rolling mud. So they oh. DQ'd him. Like oh, he, he didn't was
1: not go through the obstacle.
0: He did. He, well, it was, he was within the parameters of the course, right? They had like the white flags, oh. but they, but there was space there. So he didn't have to like go all the way in. So he just kind of like went around that, it.
1: That is tough. Cause I kind of want to play devil's advocate on that one and say, mark your course better. That's a tactical advantage. Like that. I agree. smart. You know? I agree. I think that oh, that, that's that's fair. Now I gotta go look at the rants on that. That's, I mean, I'm happy for Sean because like teammates, but that's great. Yeah, that really, <laughs> that really does suck for for that guy.
0: So you did miss the spear here.
1: Oh yeah, both times. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so good at missing the spear. If you ever want like one of those, I don't know uh, the coaches they have for Spartan. You want to know how to do the spear wrong.
0: This guy, you got to like the, have yeah. an X over like an yeah. Instagram infographic, an X over you, and like Wanna a green do circle. I'm your coach. You can do that. Miss, yeah. <laughs> so when you missed, yeah. Chris was it was Vince and Chris, right? Yep. Vince came up and Vince missed as well. Yeah. And then the leaf in the burpee yeah. pit for me. <laughs> what that? So, so were you and him doing burpees at the same time? Barely.
1: So I got there pretty early. And I was like, okay, if I hit this like huge pressure on them, like this is good. Line up my shot. I go to throw the spear and I miss it like three feet left. Uh, (laughs) And I super frustrated because it's like in that point, every time I've missed the spear, I've pretty much missed podium or I've had to crawl back to third. So I go over the burpee pit and I just start doing really controlled burpees and not trying to get out. And when I got the burpee, I want to say 20 Vince missed. Cause around 15, like halfway through, I heard him and I was like, okay, if he hits it, maybe I can climb back and find him later, like four miles from now, but he missed. And I was like, Oh, I don't know where Chris is, but I need to get through these. And so at mile or at burpee 20, he comes over, we're doing them together for a little bit. And then I get up from my burpees, put my headband on I'm torched. They tactically put a Hill right after the spear followed by
0: like a giant, those, those bucket, gear. right? Or a sandbag.
1: Yeah, they had sandbag right after, and it was really long. Uh, it felt like a National Series length.
0: Mm. Oh, like through the woods? Really, really yeah, I see
1: long. it here. Uh, I I don't know. I couldn't put – I could say it felt like 400 meters. I don't know if it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't. But anyway, I hear Chris hit the spear, and I'm like, okay, he's going to pass me. Like, I don't, I don't want him to beat me, but there is going to be a point in time where he passes me. I do not have the legs anymore. Uh, So I go up that hill as hard as I can, you know, without blowing up. I get to the sandbag first. I pack it and I start walking because I'm not going to finish the sandbag in front of him. And I just want to like recoup energy and basically Uh say, okay, reset. When we get to the end of the sandbag, I want to be tied. I want to just like start the race there and like, 4 seconds after that thought he passes me at the sandbag and he's jogging with it so i was like gotta
0: jog and so you uh, didn't you didn't you didn't stick with it at that point cuz I, I mean you could have just been like that's fine going to breathe but he go he ends up going past you and this is just competitive juices take over you're like all right well I it wasn't
1: stop. it wasn't so much competitive like because i know that he's such a good athlete like I, I i was being competitive but when he went by me i was like okay if i walk the rest of this he beats me
0: he's gonna kill me and
1: yeah. so it's like if i walk he beats me if i jog maybe he beats me okay. so why not take the lesser of two evils there and jog and see how i feel and it, it lit me up like it torched me i dumped the bag off i was still like pretty far back behind him. Uh, but I knew early in the race, I beat him on the flats and I knew he had to be feeling this race from two weeks ago. I was like, no human being does a hundred K and feels good. No. You know? So I was like, he's gotta be, he's just not showing it. And so like every, between every obstacle, I just tried to reel him in like five, 10 feet and finally caught him. Uh, I think at the Herkwist. Okay, uh, he went for water which was really smart. I ended up getting dry mouth and I should have done it with him, but I went straight to the Hercoist. Uh, the Spartan official there said we weren't allowed to put our feet on the gate. And we were like, that, that really sucks because one, I got there first and I went to put my foot on and She's like, no feet on the gate. And I was like, no, you don't understand the rules. Like I can't put my hips above the gate. And she's like, no feet on the gate. And I was like, that really sucks. Cause I'm really light. Like not I, need to, I need, I need to do need this. this. So I put my foot on the bottom of the gate and then she's like, no foot on the gate. And I was what? like, oh. so I'm just pulling inch by inch. Chris gets there, puts his foot on the gate, puts a big thing down. And I look over at him I'm like, you can't put your foot on the gate, man. he's like, yeah, you can thinking I'm the person who doesn't know the rules. And then she starts talking to him and he's like, no, your hips. And we're all like arguing with each other on the Herquist about how to do it. Right. And so we come out of the Hercoist like the same time. Um, and then the craziest part for me of the race happens right after we hit the helix and I get there. What I feel like is way before Chris and I get on that thing. I make maybe like two shuffles on it and I hear the bell on another side of it. I Chris Brown went through the helix faster than I think any human can go. Through. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what he did. Like in my brain, the only thing that makes sense logically is he got to a hundred miles an hour and long jumped the entire thing and hit it with his so,
0: hand. He, he he was learning that technique. Same thing. What did they call that jump when you dip first the, before you jump and then you go out?
1: Yeah, bicycle kicking through the air. I, I had no <laughs> idea, but he hit it so fast it shocked me, and I was still like halfway to go through it, and I was like, oh.
0: Those yeah. obstacles are right next to each other. Was there any room to run? Uh, a little in between bit there? there. So like. So, like hundred meter
1: dashes between
0: these yeah so he just made just I mean you've done helix what a couple times three or four times or maybe yeah yeah no. so we are you just slow or is he was yeah, he just I'm, nasty? Probably, I'm probably slow
1: but he's also probably fast huh uh, he said I asked him after because I was like really perplexed about it. I was like how did you do it and he said that he'd like kind of figured out a way where he could just swing through it really quickly so i think he just had really fluid like almost i don't know i didn't see it but like he he crushed that part like that that was so smooth and it really like set me back and so he got out way ahead of me on that And i there was a long running stretch after and i had to use the whole thing to get him back
0: uh uh, you, you did eventually catch him going into like olympus so i caught him Let me
1: think. Yeah. So at Olympus, he's, I believe, still ahead. And then at the beater, we hit the beater at the same time. We do the beater at the same time. We finish beater at the same time. Uh, And I almost fall off the beater and it's dry. So uh, grip's not there. (laughs) And I tell him, I was like, that was really close. Like I'm that close to falling man. Uh, And after that we hit the Creek section and that was like my last effort to ditch him um because i knew from two years ago that section has no obstacles it's just running through water running through sand running through pebbles and i torched it like all the running juices i had left went into that section and i just tried to leave i just i pretended like it was a flat race from there and i opened up a pretty big gap i want to say at that point.
0: So do you think it seemed like pretty clear that you were able, going to be able to outrun him when there was running spaces? So do you think that like, were you feeling that? Were you like, okay, there's some running, like yeah. I'm doing better than he is in the rank sections. And he, he was probably feeling that too. It's was like, this dude keeps freaking catching me. He like, knew. Yeah. yeah.
1: We, I think we both knew. And like, I knew by, by beater and before that, even probably like after, uh, after the spear, I knew I was the best runner on the course. Like it was apparent, but it didn't matter because like, it's so a smart race. Yeah. It was, right. it's, not a, it's not a race race. So it doesn't matter if you're like the fastest guy. But that section, so long, I was like, this is where it has to happen. I'm not going to do it with the monkey bars in the way or the multi rig.
0: True. That's not going to be a place where you're going to be able to, to, to pick up ground. But and after like twister, there really wasn't too much places where you could tech really fail besides like multi rigs. So where you're like, all right, if I can get away now, I'm going to win this race.
1: Every obstacle after I put, I'd say I put like a minute gap on, on him. Went from like looking back and seeing, and every obstacle was done with like very conservative effort, very slowly. Um, I did not want to fall. Uh, the multi rig had a surprise at the end, and it was these three ropes that the I was The
0: Yeah, they're big. Yeah, those are new. I, those are new in West Virginia.
1: I grabbed the first one. I was like, easy, and I went to leave the ring or the pole that you transition off of, and I about
0: lost it. Like, was it slippery?
1: No, it's I like, like, sad, like that I'm rope ripping like a huge rope. I'm mm. used to like you know metal or smaller handles, and maybe maybe that they're, they're vertical. Yeah, Um, but I finally got onto it and I had to double hand it and -hmm. then I had to use my body, get to the next one, struggle, double hand it. And even on the second rope, I was afraid I was going to fail it. Like I, I know there's not a lot of obstacles that were like, I was going to fail, but I felt like I was going to be so slow on. It was a fail. Yeah.
0: Right. But that's where the running cushion is. Yeah. That's where I need it. And that's at the very end. Right. So getting through that and then, then being able to finish. So, that i mean that's a hell of a race man it must have felt good to get mixed up in something like that
1: it did and what i liked about it is we got out really hot yeah. and so i know the key to being successful on these things that the, like the national series level like beating the the more you know athletic people in the sport you have to go out hot
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, i've never been good at that even when i ran in college i was progressive running the whole way I did not get out the first mile I ran it smart I ran it efficiently and in Spartan race you just can't do that can't do it. no so I was really happy that I ran the race a way I wasn't used to doing and it worked like it I was able to do it um so I learned a lot and I got the win so it was like you know pretty rewarding uh a ton of relief at the finish because I didn't even know where it was I was on the monkey bars which is like I don't know 20 feet from the finish line. And I honestly thought we had like another mile. I didn't know <laughs> where I was. I was pretty out of it. Um, and oh, then was I, the
0: last I, obstacle.
1: <laughs> I, and there wasn't a fire line. I'm used to seeing the fire. And I looked and then I just saw the finish, like the finish I was like, oh, it's over.
0: Like, oh. God. <laughs> uh, the time. Yeah. The time was really fast. It was cooking.
1: I think half of it is that course if it's 13.1 is like they contoured with the course so if you took tangents you could You'd you be could, under yeah. a
0: little bit I what think, did your watch say did you wear your watch i don't
1: wear watches when i race because no. i'm not like, i what don't care about do? time yeah you know? uh but i think vince had a watch on it and his said 12 something uh so my guess is if you ran 10 tangent lines it was probably 12 and a half to 13 somewhere mm-hmm. in there no. um depending on how you did like the bucket and the sandbag and things like that it, they probably wheeled it with the middle of the race in line which you should do you should wheel the middle yep. um, but we were running pretty hard cuts and so the other part of it was we went out so hot at the beginning that slowing down even a little bit put us in that kind of pace effort
0: because it was like 120 something
1: one yeah, 127 something is what I ran. And Vince said our first 5k was a 1715. That's wild. Uh, with the walls and like the small little hills and the ground. Like I, I obviously it was not a difficult opener for a Spartan. Like Seattle's pretty mild, but seventeen
0: fifteen, like even if you're doing like a regular half marathon. Half marathon like, like, I'm fine yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um nice man. What do you got? What do you got next?
1: That's a good question. So now I want to see how I recover from Uh this. Uh, More than anything this year, I wanted to do an ultra because I really think I'm going to like the distance when I get in the fitness range where like 31 miles doesn't absolutely destroy me. Uh, They just look fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think there are any ultras left except for Telluride, which is you have to qualify. So Mm -hmm. I'm not in that. Um, And then... All the other beasts are pretty far away. Um, So I don't don't know what's left. Uh, I definitely training, like huge training block. I want to get really fit. Um, Maybe do a cross country race if I find, find the time to do it. But I'm really probably looking at just using this fall and winter to like get back to where I feel like I'm the fittest I've ever been. And then
0: start, you know, 2022 with good races, good schedules. Yeah, something that's a little bit more, it'll be more predictable, hopefully, and like you'll be healthy and like people yeah. like uh, be ready to kind of mark some off. Oh, I meant to ask you about your shoes. We were talking about your shoes beforehand. Mm-hmm. What did you end up wearing? Yeah, so I uh, big risk.
1: I wore my street racing flats with no tread, no lugs, just like bowling alley slippery. And I think I was right. I think yeah,
2: right.
1: yeah. Um, only because of the venue. Like knowing Seattle's venue is why I think I, I picked them. Uh, I would never do it for a, a different race. Like mm. I wouldn't do it for West Virginia. You'd die. You'd mm. never make it through some of the tech. But like when I was on the flats or if I was on a gravel road or even in the grass, I felt so fast.
0: Yeah. probably felt Compared lost. to
1: wearing clunky soccer cleat shoes. Uh, I, I was in racing flats and I felt like I was in racing flats. The only time I slipped was in the rolling mud. And I, I took a step and they slid, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I was wrong. But then I just kicked holes in the mud and made like steps. Mm-hmm. And I was oh. So hmm. the Olympus, if your body angle's right, is flat foot against the board. So I didn't have any slipping. The slip wall. So you got your
0: feet up on Olympus. Yeah, I kept my feet up. Oh, nice. Because mm-hmm. it's been hard to do uh because the angle is a little bit more aggressive this year. It is, uh, but blessed with really long arms. Nice. So my
1: my wingspan's like six one and I'm five ten.
0: Were you able to go holes or were you on so chain? I went holes? I just went holes, feet the whole holes way. in your feet and we're able, that is nice. If you're yeah. able to get to get that or you have that type of mobility, like that'd be optimal. A lot of people end up having to go knees to be able to do holes. Um uh, especially if it's like
1: the super I did go knees. You did rain. It rained right. not when it's slippery game changer. I, up. That sucked. That is yeah. a much harder obstacle when it's wet.
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah, you can't put your feet up at all. And when that, that happens, like you slip down, like you, you have to like use all of your strength just to hold yourself up um, mm-hmm. and trying to get through it. and then you wreck your knees. It's the sucks. worst. Yeah. Um, well, nice, man. So it doesn't seem like, again, any anything really looming, just training, getting I, healthy.
1: Yeah, I want to train. I want to get back in the shape where I'm doing, you know, really good long runs and you know, being able to maybe rep some miles at faster paces. I just, I want to come into the next racing season healthy and, and what I consider to be fit. Yeah. Um, Usually the winter bogs me down and I'm not that fit or I get hurt, you know, like this year
0: and I'm just trying to be able to run Uh having both would be pretty cool. Yeah. That'd be great. And that's some, that's goals to work toward, you know, it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, cool, man. Well, awesome job. Congrats on it. I mean, that's as good of an outcome as we could possibly have, have envisioned. And and it was mostly about just going out and enjoying it, which is, which is Mm -hmm. the number one thing. So double win on that. Thanks. Cool, man. So I'll make sure to link to socials, even though like you might make a post sometimes. Yeah. I might make a post Um, sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll link to it anyway. Um, Cool, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Good talking to you. Sean Stevens well hello.
2: Hello there. What's going on man? How are you? Good, good. Feeling good after the race and uh yeah, just getting back into it.
0: So you are the official leader of the 2021 Canadian Spartan Race National Series.
2: Yeah, a two a two venue series so it's a, it's a good place to be for sure. It's a good
0: place to be after one race, one of two. One of two. Uh and especially. like coming off out of this race and let's, let's just like talk about the results right away. I think there is a little bit of coverage on, I know RM was talking about a little bit, but there was some controversy in the final results of this and, and um, uh, obstacle uh, fitness X obstacle fitness. Is that what? Yeah. OFX, the podcast, they had some people out there doing some coverage was able to catch quite a bit of it. They did a great job of like posting stories and how it was going. And it seemed like Mick Jarella was all by himself. For a lot of it, mm-hmm. at least toward the end, and yeah. then it was—it seemed like you and Aaron were kind of battling it out. So I was like, "All right, well, Mick's really tough on that course in particular." Yeah, so I think he's won it like what five, four or five times or something. Yeah, it, it's a course
2: made for him. He's it, totally, he's yeah,
0: yeah. It, totally. But then afterwards, I heard he was dis- disqualified. And then you were then uh, the winner of the race. So what what happened?
2: Yeah. Um So. I, I guess like just explaining the disqualification, uh, straight, straight up, uh, the rolling mud, um, which for those who don't know, it's, uh, you go over this pit of dirt pretty much. They've dug out like three piles and, uh, the holes. And then you got like the, the, the mounds you got to go over and into the holes full of mud. Uh, there's three of them on the third one, rather than jumping into the mud pit, Mick, uh, skirted around it so stepped on the side and that i guess was uh sufficient grounds for him to be disqualified the, the
0: looking at this was like the fourth obstacle this was like right away it was
2: it was like right away uh yeah the race itself i did like how the course was set up where you kind of had these longer run sections into uh, obstacle dense areas uh but this was the first kind of obstacle dense area and mm. uh, rowing mud was yeah one of the first obstacles that you, you went on to
0: so how was the race playing out at that point i mean that's pretty soon to be in the race and like i said the coverage that i saw that was that started like that was like multi-rig rope climb and that was like probably the last that was like the last 10th of the race or something is all totally. i saw really yeah so were did you and aaron go out with mick were you guys all together at this point
2: no so um I, I traveled to the race with my buddy Chris um, right. He, w- we had booked tickets a couple weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, he injured, broke his hand, mm. but uh, he was already committed to the race, so decided to still come to it. And so his strategy was, I'm going to run really hard off the gun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, like,
2: you're not gonna be able to do the obstacles very well so you know you might as well see what you can do
0: and he's and, a really uh, good runner
2: he's a he's an incredible runner for sure right uh so he took it out really hard and the only one that went with him was mick and, okay uh, <laughs> i was i was sitting back and probably i prefer starting races a bit bit uh a bit easier working into it um so i was probably in like seventh or eighth place heading into the first gauntlet mick had probably already put about 30 seconds on me uh, maybe even more by the time we got to rolling mud, which was like a mile into the course. So,
0: so basically, your buddy just came out there to to pace Mick. Yeah, <laughs> just get him get it him away like from it. the field. What? Um. Yeah. So you didn't get you didn't see how how Mick.
2: I had no idea. I was, I think Mick was already done rolling mud by the time I I even entered it. So um, I I didn't have any visuals on what was going on up there.
0: Did he step outside of the line or just not go in the mud? Was there white lines lining it? So. What I
2: heard was the day before uh, the race there was flagging right on the edge of the mud pit. So you would literally have to go into the mud pit or else you'd be going outside the flagging. For whatever reason, they decided to move the flagging uh, further out. And so, you know, I mean, I feel like as a savvy racer, uh, it seems to make sense that you're going to try and follow the, the quickest line. Um, and the, I guess the quickest line Mick only skipped the third mud pit, by the way. Um, but the flagging was still outside of where Mick was. So Mick Mick never went outside the flagging or the lines.
0: He but was inside of the white line and they de- disqualified him for not going in the mud. I believe that's
2: the situation. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it, it was very frustrating after the race. Um, because obviously we're all stoked. We all, we all had clean runs. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's the best way to end a race where it's like, there's no like controversy, like, oh, you know, I missed the spear and Mm -hmm. I was in front of you, but you know, things changed. If it wasn't Uh, for this or
0: that. Exactly.
2: Yeah. It seemed, it seemed pretty cut and dry, the results. Um, and I think we're all pretty happy with that. Um, so yeah, it's a bit disappointing how it turned out, but yeah, I I mean, I, you know, I'm, we, we can speculate here and make rules on like, I've already talked to lots of people about like maybe what should have happened instead, but, uh, you know, I think maybe some, some sort of time penalty might have been appropriate, but at least for Mick, it's not just this race either. You have to consider that he was leading the series and right. there's a fair amount of prize money in this series. So like it's a, it's bigger than just the race they hit, they hit for him for sure.
0: Yeah. The, the money's in Canada this season. I know That's yeah. it's the real deal. So, well, like, so you got like a nice little pay raise from that. Cause that, but that is a little ridiculous to, yeah. th- I don't like when they just kind of, that's what they've been doing. Like when woods like grabbed the trust in Jacksonville a couple of years ago, it was like, Oh, you have a 10 minute time penalty where mm-hmm. it's like, it really didn't fit. Even though like there, you you probably can't do what he did, but they didn't have a rule in place for it. Yeah. But that just seems like someone saw it, and just didn't didn't agree with how Mick went about racing this, and it was like, no, 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 you you obviously knew you should have gotten the mud, but it was still within the confines of the course. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, tough.
2: so so it was tough. Um, like the head Canadian official thought it was okay, but then the head U.S. official who was up here um, was was kind of vetoing um, it and thought that.
0: You know, Mick. Uh, Mick deserves the the DQ. So crazy. I, I don't know. And that's that's just something with these races. Like you never know. They. It looks like they just want to, like, penalize people and just and just make it convoluted and 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 it, it just like it's harmful. It's not. It doesn't help when it's like that. So we don't really know what we're going into. We don't know exactly what people have in mind for this because yeah. it's not like delivered to us and maybe it's yeah. just that the sport is just so new that they're they're ironing these things out but yeah well aside from that how'd you feel during the race itself so it looked so it sounded like mick and everybody chris went out hard and you wanted to settle back in and and yeah. for the most part you most people might know you as more of a, a climber but you can run pretty well on flats and this course is flat course like you're you're a pretty well-rounded runner so when you came into something like this were you thinking that you were going to kind of need to push earlier in the race than you might want to or or what were you thinking
2: yeah on reflection i i do wish i went out a bit harder um i think i've had some bad experiences going out very hard in the past and that has left me a bit of a sour sour taste in my mouth when i when i do think of going out hard. So I prefer kind of the, uh, the slow and steady approach. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like my running form is pretty good right now. Uh, I did Canadian mountain running nationals the week prior to this race. And so I had been training not exclusively, but definitely primarily on uphill and downhill. And so I, I threw a couple speed workouts in just to try and get the legs primed for, for this race. Uh, but I definitely wasn't, I would say in like peak flat form, uh, I think if I had been a mountain race, um, probably it would have worked a bit better for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, felt pretty good about it. Um, I think the obstacles themselves weren't bad, but, um, I think if you had to put like where my strength was, it was probably still in, in the running over the obstacles, uh, that's, so yeah, I was in after, so taking you through the race, uh, the first like mile is there's no obstacles. It's just like a straight run, really cool. Kind of spreads you out a bit, um, bit of a road section to start downhill road, and nice. kind of a, a single track that winds up back to the, to the venue area. And then sort of that small gauntlet, which we were just talking about. And then there's another three and a half case segment, no obstacles, just like straight run. And so, uh, I went into, that section i think in fifth and then oh wow then i came out in second just in front of aaron and by then i think mick probably mick and i were probably very close uh on the running but i just lost ground at the start and on the obstacles
0: so going into it, it was what was it mick chris aaron and austin in front of you
2: uh yeah except yeah and then chris had to burpee out uh, the monkey bars. So did he? Did
0: he finish, or did he just end up being did. like? This he He actually
2: crazy? finished in twelfth place, so <laughs> he almost he almost made a bit of money. But uh, yeah, it was pretty funny.
0: <laughs> that it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna go. One time, one time, Kempson. He this is must have been 2018, I think. He smashed his finger on uh atlas carry just like in the middle of some race
2: oh you were at that race it was at um that was a u.s yeah mountain series in minnesota right yeah yeah.
0: i I remember that race was like pretty stacked because it was just like the first time that there was was this crazy yeah right it was a it was a sprint in minnesota and it was like 10 guys deep and like i remember someone like pointing back like there's this canadian guy he's like he can, he's like runs great in like these building races, and we're like, what? <laughs> what who? who? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so Kempson smashed his finger, and then the next week did uh, Dallas the stadium race, and was like going through and just like chicken winging, yeah. like putting his hand through the rings, and still finished, but didn't do it as well as he would have. But obviously, yeah. But with like if your whole hand is hurt. I don't know, like, what are you going to do? <laughs>
2: no, and like, Chris went to the doctor the week before too, and they pretty much told him, like, you can't use any of your fingers, even though it was only his pinky that was smashed. They're like, if you use any of your fingers, you might you might compromise uh, the whole hand.
0: So, Huh, that's interesting. Yeah.
2: yeah, but what was really nice about this course, and I, I've, I've seen it incorporated more now, is there's more penalty loops. Uh, and so on a couple of the key obstacles, like Twister, um, Z-Wall, a couple more had, had penalty loop options, which which for Chris worked very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they also allow you um, as, like, one of the elite athletes to maybe take a couple more risks on on some of these obstacles, realizing that, you know, the penalty loop isn't going to um, take as much out of you as doing 30 burpees. Yeah. And so it, it's sort of fun. Um, on, on the following day, on the Sunday, Aaron and I both did the Beast, and I practiced just lacheing Twister so just, like, skipping, oh, nice. skipping Twister itself. And um, I was able to get the second second uh, section
0: of it and just go straight for the bell. And I think you skipped probably, the whole... You were able to lache over the whole, like, auger of...
2: Yeah, well, just just the second one. I, I did the first section of Twister. Um, right. I, I think I'd, I'd like to try lacheing from the first to the second, too, but I, I just skipped the second one and went straight for the bell. And it was, like, honestly, saved about five seconds, and I'm, like of race if it's dry i might actually do that now that i've tried it so
0: would it be like i don't have any experience with doing that type of work and i know you've been practicing ninja stuff more and more to mm-hmm. do like a lache into a second lache like, how much power is needed to do like can you, is it possible to do back-to-back laches like that or will it take end up taking more out of you than yeah than what it, it, it be. would
2: if, if you could link the laches, it would save you literally like 15 seconds and you'd look like a total badass. But that's but like
0: parkour, like high level. It,
2: yeah. So so there's a couple asterisks next to this. First of all, like it's going to have to be like bone dry. I like taking taking gambles like that when it's at all wet is, is – uh, that's one of the reasons I didn't even bother trying it on a Sunday because when you're trying to do like a 10-foot lache and just grab a bar, uh, you want that part to be pretty secure, right? <laughs> and if it's wet and you're falling off, like you, you will could get hurt whip on your back you could yeah. break your neck. i mean there's issues so uh yeah i think the the issue with something like uh linking the lachets on twister is with the with the scaffolding in the center there is there's two bars and so if you grab the first bar you might be able to do it but it's like you might you might hit your head uh is what i am what i'm thinking if because there's not a you're... single bar you're grabbing in the center because there is uh, the scaffolding has the the two like it's it's uh, I see it's like a rectangle right so I see um, so
0: if even if you were on the front bar of the two bars like the lache, you still might you'll probably hit your head
2: <laughs> you might i actually tried um, using the uh, support bars so the the thinner bars below it that connect the two sides of it
0: mm-hmm. that are
2: diagonal and yep. i found that worked pretty well so that might be a possibility if you could somehow grab those and link them together i'm not sure but um it's possible i
0: think i saw alex walker one time do a lache from like the middle of twister Mm. like she just got like close enough and then just like two pumps and like went for it
2: yeah Um, i I don't think that'd be much quicker than probably doing it maybe
0: if you're just like out of gas or something like i don't know
2: but i mean it takes a lot of like finger and like strength to to do a lache too because you're putting a lot of like torque on the body when you're kicking forward and back so i don't even know if that would be easier or not it would just be cooler it would be cooler i mean yeah unfortunately there was no one with a the video there to see see mine but uh yeah it was fun
0: um so yeah so i'm not sure how we got here so you got out of the woods and then you were in second place did aaron just latch on to you because you guys finished that's about as close of, as a finish yeah. that happens in an obstacle course race
2: Yeah. Uh, I was, I was still kind of trying to chase down Mick at that point. Um,
0: could you see him? Could you feel him at all?
2: I I could see him, but he was a good, like 45 seconds ahead. Like there was some good long stretches, uh, where I could definitely see him straight ahead of me, but it wasn't like within grasping distance. It was just a bit too far. So I wasn't, yeah, wasn't able to make that connection as much as I would have liked. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of pulling away from Aaron a bit. But then the next set of obstacle gauntlets, I I think Aaron was just a bit more efficient than me. Uh, there was a Z wall and my foot slipped off the Z wall, almost fell off. Fortunately, I was able to hang on, but that cost me about 20, 10 to 20 seconds. And uh, I probably had Aaron by about 15, 20 seconds going in and we came out at the exact same time.
0: Oh, wow uh
2: so after that we pretty much just ran ran most of the remaining race together
0: i've had a very similar experience against aaron where he was coming back into shape uh in jacksonville a couple of years back same race that that we talked about earlier with woods cheating so and like but like aaron was just wasn't fast at the time but he he was able to put so much room like ground on me on things like olympus and and twister he's mm-hmm. really solid on yeah. the obstacles he totally um, yeah. And then he just can kind of gut it out.
2: Yeah. And he's a pretty good uh, carry guy too. And so, um, yeah, I was, uh, I was kind of just, honestly, I was happy to, to go behind him because it kind of gave me a better um, understanding of how he goes through the obstacle so efficiently. Uh, Cause I, I personally don't get much practice on the Spartan obstacle. So any chance I, any opportunity I get to, to practice my efficiency is, is like, going to help me in the next race so I'm, i'm totally game for that
0: he's pretty aggressive right
2: he just goes into it i think one of the things that i noticed at this race particular is when i come up to an obstacle i'll maybe shake out or i won't i won't like jump in so aggressively like i'll come up to like the monkey bars or something stand on the platform yeah and then like you know one hand up other hand up and start going where like aaron or probably like people like atkins will just like run up don't even stop and just jump into it and go straight. And that's that's just a couple of seconds right there. But you know, you take it over 10, 20 obstacles, that's almost a minute. So
0: yeah. What do you so when I think about like running and jumping into an obstacle one, it's like I don't have enough proof that I can do that consistently. And to be confident enough that to do that in a race, like running and jumping off of the platform, and, and like I would have to be like ninety eight percent sure yeah. that it would it, that it's gonna work. Where if I did that, I'd be like, I don't know, sixty percent confident, just because I totally. never really had, had yeah. done it. Yeah. Uh, so, so is that something that you think the same way? It's just like not enough practice, or just not confident in, say, your just grip grip strength.
2: Yeah. I well, on this particular course, it was wet, um, mm-hmm. and so there was definitely a bit of apprehension behind that. But I'm also a guy that I'd say I'm a bit more risk averse when it comes to to racing, and so uh, similar to you, I. I like my confidence, uh, confidence factor to be very high when I'm doing an obstacle. I don't like to be on the edge, but, um, like I imagine some guys just are more comfortable being on the edge and, and that's just part of the racing is like to, to like be right on, you know, falling off, but not falling off and just being able to get through it. And maybe, you know, maybe our 60% confidence since we don't do the obstacles enough, maybe we're actually like. 95 but sure for whatever reason we're just doubting ourselves and i, I think that's one thing where it's like i'd love to just practice the obstacles more um and i really wish spartan allowed us to do that on like the day before the race and and maybe you know during during the other heats if we're not interfering because i i think just being more comfortable on like what my confidence level is would really help on obstacles
0: yeah. I think they would have let, would let you, I don't know if they would let you, but like it's volunteers who are sitting at the obstacles. Right. I've done that before. I was like, can I just like practice this a bunch and just see how it goes. And like, oh, As long as there's no, like an, an open wave comes and like 30 people come and then they're gone for a long time. So there's like time and space to go and do it. It's just a matter of like totally. doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's one thing that I think about with this a lot is how much experience does matter. And someone, we'll keep using Aaron as the example here like in 2019 he raced every weekend and he would do every race so then like the stakes were very low for him for pretty much every race mm-hmm. because it's like okay what does this sprint on a sunday in indiana matter for like long term he, he's not worried about like winning or losing you know Yeah. it's just like going for it and then just trying things out where a race, like, and maybe he had the same type of idea for the series. Like if he does well, which he did, which he did, then he can show up in blue mountain and potentially make some more money. And he's right in the running for the, for, for winning the series. Mm-hmm. So, but he's just done it so often that he's confident enough now to, to, cause he's raced so much We're like you or I, we don't race that much. Hmm. You know, and a race like this one had a, had some pretty high stakes for you. Totally. So like today, that wouldn't be the day to go and do it.
2: <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, like I was saying before, I think the penalty lap option, or are even doing it like Battlefrog where like mandatory completion mm-hmm. would would again be something that would encourage athletes to take a few more risks, um, which I, I think would make it more entertaining because you'd see athletes doing cooler things on the obstacles like wishing or something like that. Yeah. as opposed to like forcing us to do 90 seconds of
0: really intense work and then coming out tired. Yeah. And ruining so, ch- changing the race completely. Yeah. The the mandatory completion, it's definitely something that people want. And the Spartan uh, or Savage has always been that way. And they've upped their obstacles so much that now it's almost to the point where like the running doesn't even matter because it's like whoever the three people are that finish an obstacle, they're the ones that win. So like, awesome. but but, like, is it? It's like, the, like nothing really matters. Are, are they like,
2: are they that hard then? Like, I, I would love to do a Savage race, but I've like, I've obviously not, not seen the rigs themselves. So
0: they have one rig that changes. Like they make it more like progressively more difficult each time. Mm-hmm. It seems. And I've actually never done okay. a Savage either, but I, uh, when I see this thing and like, Yeah, there was like a built-in liche a couple of times where you did where you had to. Yeah. Yeah. Like and and it took like I think the person there was there are 10K and there are like the woman who ended up third on the podium was like close to two hours because it's just people sitting there trying to do this obstacle over and over. Yeah. So like should it be mandatory completion on easier obstacles and potentially have a penalty on like a harder one? Like maybe like a ten minute penalty. Like a, a very significant penalty, like very much
2: discouraged, even if you don't do it your first time. But I, I have no mm. idea.
0: Like, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's but, what that Hildervat did. They were like ten minute penalties if you miss.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: I don't know, but that's the thing. Is like, should it be ten? Should it be mandatory completion on obstacles where everybody can kind of complete it? So like, and like Spartan should be that way because everyone can kind of do them. Mm-hmm. Or should yeah. you be penalized for not being able to do easy obstacles? I don't know. Don't know. Yeah. So what would you feel like you did best in this race?
2: It's probably an answer I should have known before starting this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did I do best? Uh, I think I paced myself pretty well. i not necessarily the – like yeah, I, I think I'm happy with how I, how I ran the race, um, especially with how the finish went, how I was able to get second over Aaron. Uh, there's a there's a set of stairs, probably about one k from the finish line. It's like 159 stairs. Oh wow! And I was I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm to it. So I was able to gap Aaron a bit on the set of stairs, and that was kind of my strategy going in. I, I was sitting behind Aaron, going to the bucket, which was just before the stairs, uh, and then trying to kind of just shake things out before the stairs. I'm like, okay, this is this is for me like another obstacle. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it hard and see if I can gap
0: Aaron a bit. And is- is is there a certain technique that you use in your climbing and like your tower running experience that you can just tap right back into, or is it just a strength and capacity thing and like confidence thing that allows you just to be like, all right, here's some steps. I'm like, I'm going to hammer this.
2: I think it's more of the latter, especially with this set of stairs. You didn't have any handrails or turns. It was just like, it was an outdoor set of stairs. So uh, like my stair climbing experience as far as technique went, didn't really come into play much. It was just being able to access my power. Hmm. Uh, and so I was able to probably put like a good, at least five, five, 10 seconds on Aaron, and then just uh, just kind of held him off through through the woods and made the spear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, uh, so the last three obstacles were, it, it was pretty much like back to back to back. It was like 15 meters from the finish line. You had the spear, then you had uh, helix, and then the slip wall. Uh. And Helix has never been, I just haven't dialed that one in. Like, I, I just feel like I'm slow through it. Like the bars that you have to like s- squeeze your fingers through. I, I'm always like a bit nervous about that. And uh, so I wanted to have a bit of a gap on Aaron going into that. And I, I had just enough of a gap coming out uh, where I was up the slip wall, and Aaron was coming out of Helix. And then I get to the top of the slip wall and kind of ticking probably a bit more time than I, than I needed to. And then Aaron's like running up the slip wall as I'm coming over. I'm like, Oh crap. So I had, to, I had to run down. Cause he was, uh, he was making a, a go for it for sure.
0: It's so wild seeing those finishes because like, you can't really like kick, <laughs> you know, it just yeah. like watching you two guys finish. It was just like, you got, you had to make sure you didn't die coming down off of slip wall. And then it's it was sketchy. just over. It's yeah. sketchy.
2: Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like if you offered me a million dollars, if I would, run down the slip wall because you get your, you miss a footstep and you're like, I don't know if it could, that could end badly. So
0: <laughs> the the dude, just Josiah Middow, he did that at one of the earlier races where like, like sp- his legs like split on either side, like tumbled forward. Oh, yeah. Man.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, I would not, I would not be
0: fun yeah, I know yeah, I that that's, down. that's why I wish they did have like, it would have been sweet if it, that uh, you did that. And then it was like, 200 meters into the finish
2: totally that's what i prefer to um like give, give someone a chance to to kick
0: you're gonna you yeah, that's
2: it's, it's almost dangerous to do it that way
0: you would have held them off though right you would have had that kick oh easy. no doubt um <laughs> so what do you think you could have done better
2: uh i think like i was saying before um coming into the obstacles a bit more aggressively hmm. rather than shaking out taking my time I think that's something that in the future I want to work on more. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure I'm going to incorporate that into my training, but uh, I'll see. Um, maybe I'll just be more conscious of it in races too. Uh, and I think if it's dry, there's no reason. You can't just jump straight into the obstacles.
0: Mm-hmm. You got to find also, it out, right?
2: Yeah. I think also um, maybe starting a bit faster because I do think once I lost contact with Nick, I, I just never – it, it was never a race between us. And I, I wish it at least was, um, I, I'm, yeah, not saying by any means that like, I would have been able to keep up with them, but I think we're running at a similar speed. So at least like it would have given me a better shot and more, more fun experience between, between the two of us. But, um, yeah, so maybe practicing just some, like, some tempo runs where I start at like three minute K pace for the first kilometer. And then like, go into like 320 or whatever my tempo pace ends up being yeah uh just to like get used to starting fast and then getting into a pace because it's not one of my strengths i'd say
0: so yeah yeah. getting like getting in over your head a little bit because you kind of there are races like it's so strange with this it's the
2: bigger races are more like that too Mm -hmm. Um, like if you don't start off fast like you're gonna get stuck behind a lot of people so i think it's it's a really important skill to have is being able to to start fast and then settle into your face.
0: Yeah. Cause once you lose that visual contact, it's, it's hard to stay engaged, mm-hmm. right? Even if in a big race where you, you're not losing time on any specific segment or anything, you're just behind, yeah. you just didn't start as fast. Yeah. So what do you, what do you got next? You mentioned you have a big, a bigger race, a longer race coming up next weekend. Uh, yes.
2: Yeah. So it's been, it's been a weird, ball for me um and I'm, I'm really excited to be racing again uh, like i said i had canadian mountain running champs the week how did that, how did that go
0: I, I missed that uh it was good
2: um i finished second and so uh i made the team for thailand which is going to happen in february nice and so that'll be something else to train for uh yeah who, no who so won that uh one of my teammates alexander ricard he's uh he's just honestly i think he could be one of the best climbers in the world if he if he he already is very very good but like he could he could like win those big vk races over in europe if Mm. uh like he's he's really good i've never experienced running with someone who could run away from me like that on hills so Mm. he's uh he's pretty exceptional so yeah it was um i feel like i'm pretty fit right now uh i i had some good base mileage over the summer some hundred plus mile weeks and uh yeah, so coming up, I got Wham, which is a 60K race in Whistler. It's part of the North American Golden Trail Series. And that's going to oh, be nice. in like 12 days from now. So I'm going to try and do a bit of uh, last-minute training for that one. And uh, and then after that, uh, I have to make a decision. I have Squamish 50, which is a 50-mile race the week before Blue Mountain in Ontario. Uh, I don't know. I haven't decided... On anything yet, I might do that one. It's it's like a local. It's like the biggest local race. It's one of the biggest like trail races in Canada, and it's something i have really want to win. So I'd like to do that, but I just gotta be smart because obviously Blue Mountain, there is quite a bit of money up for grabs
0: there. Yeah, how much would you win at the Squamish race?
2: Uh, if I had broke the course record, it would be three thousand.
0: If you so broke was, the course, and yeah, so good. That's break. What about what about just a win? Two thousand. And if you win Blue Mountain, it's also three thousand
2: plus forty five
0: hundred. So. Plus the yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty know. a payoff for a trail race. The Squamish. It race. is. It's a
2: very good, and that's and um Gary Robbins who puts it on is like amazing with that, and and that's why it is one of the biggest trail races in Canada, and it attracts a lot of top talent. But uh, yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's not saying you can't do both, but like it'd be harder to do both.
2: <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah, trying to recover a week.
0: Yeah, a I'd fifty be. mile. <laughs> then the what's the what's the what's the Blue Mountains distance? What is that? Is that a it's beast? It's a beast. It is. So the training at least would be
2: comparable. We're talking like a seven and a half hour race for Squamish, and probably like two and a half hours. So at least like the training wouldn't be completely different. Right. Um. But yeah, I I haven't made any decisions yet, but um, that's one potential way i could go about the season
0: and what weekends blue mountain
2: october 23rd i think the race is around then
0: okay so it's
2: six weeks just under six weeks
0: and then just thinking is is aaron gonna come to it
2: yeah he's gonna come to it but apparently he's doing a 24-hour ultra two weeks before
0: okay Wait, so, so i was just thinking that is he doing telluride is that what that is that's or no? what
2: he's doing yeah okay. and so i feel like at least we'd be in similar positions going into it. Um, Feeling Aaron would terrible. Yeah. And Aaron would be my biggest um, competition for the, for the series one at least. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it might be doable.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, like if Mick gets that 10 minute penalty, what's he finish like fifth or something? Yeah, He's
2: still, yeah, I think it would be like fifth or sixth. It would be.
0: That's wild. So the, big he's, big. he was DQ'd basically for the series. They DQ'd him for the whole series. And so that's so unfortunate. Um, Okay. Huh. And then would that be, your? do you have any ultra other ultra, like 24 hour races? Are you thinking world's toughest?
2: Maybe world's toughest. Um, that's in like mid November. Is that right? I haven't even, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like, it's a possibility. Um, like I said before that race is one I'm scared of because I feel like my body is going to just get so crushed and I'm not going to be able to train or run at all for two months plus. Yeah, and I just feel like I'd get very depressed. <laughs> even you know, even if I can get the victory, I don't know if it's worth it for like two months of like just sulking. So, just
0: misery, and and yeah, going exactly. into going into the winter where things are sad anyway. That's like yeah. the thing. If you're gonna do a 24 hour race, like you're putting yourself under so much stress that your body is probably going to to shut you down. And you're probably gonna be be pretty bummed out for a while for sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> um well cool man well again congrats on on the victory either way clean race did everything as the rules are as whatever we think the rules are so put, your, put yourself in a great position it's great that you're racing again and and representing for the home country which is great
2: totally yeah 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 thank you
0: all right cool man we'll make sure to keep everybody posted where you're going to be next and will link to your socials and all that so cool man well i appreciate you taking the time cool cool thanks for chatting. All right, Vince Bukowski, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Rich? Solid. So you are, we're talking on Wednesday, a couple days removed from your first beast distance. How are you feeling?
3: I'm, I'm feeling a lot better than I thought I was going to be feeling. I think uh, because there wasn't a ton of elevation on the course, um, it didn't quite tax like the quads or hamstrings as much as I was expecting. So uh, the legs actually feel really, really good right
0: now. From from a recovery standpoint, I mean, you have you're gaining a lot of different experiences that go along. You know, as track athlete, cross country athlete, you know, uh, Army Ranger champion, and now into Spartan races. Like, how has the recovery been from Spartan races compared to some of the other stuff that you've been used to?
3: Yeah, I think it's been quicker. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think uh, some of just the natural terrain limitations on how fast you can turn over your legs protects it from, uh, some of like the damage you experience on the roads and the surface itself itself. It's a softer surface. Uh, some of the technical pieces force you to slow down, wake up the next morning and stairs are always a challenge for me, but, um, I didn't quite have that after, uh, this race.
0: Yeah. And there's something to be said, like systemically, when you're doing say a road, half marathon or a marathon, either even like you can just put yourself in this high level of output and just like pound until you're dead. And that, that i found that that definitely is a longer road from recovery than say like a beast. I always just feel like cut up. We all, we all banged up that way. Oh yeah. I mean, I've cuts all over
3: my legs. I have a a pretty sizable uh, gash in my uh achilles from the uh traverse from the rope oh no um, were, did you, were, you, there.
0: were you just pulling yourself across it
3: so i started doing that and then i started moving my legs because that hurt too much and then i was still cutting into that point of my leg so i just said screw it and i went arms only across the traverse and just held my legs up off the ground oh really there was enough space for you to do that yeah, so I was just in like a ball in like the chin up position and just oh, like my shuffling God. my hands across because <laughs> I was already bleeding from my Achilles and I was like, "This is not worth uh, uh cutting open my my whole leg for." So my
0: my first race, what or my first like outdoor race was in 2016. It was New Jersey and Vernon, and like yeah, the beast is what's going to have the Tyro Traverse, and that's what I did. I had already failed an obstacle, and I just got on there and just like locked my legs and just was yanked myself with just my arms let my legs just slide across it I still have a scar this like it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. a huge gnarly scar and it hurt so bad it hurt yeah. and like for days after it was like pulsing like it was just like so much attention was being paid to this gash in my body so yeah. um
3: and, and I have to wear like socks and boots at work um every day and so it's right over that gash. Oh, so yeah. then every day I go home and I take off my boot and my sock and it reopens the gash again, so I, I've got a feeling I'm gonna have a nice scar on, on the back.
0: Yep. yep, lesson learned. And yep. you, you, you've been. This is your third Spartan race. So you just started earlier this year in Jacksonville, where you were uh, age group. Learned a lesson there. Learned it. Learned what the proper burpee form, the ex, the expected burpee form, is for first Spartan race. Uh, but then you did get your way into the. Uh, elite fields did a stadium race, which if there's a lot of like tricks and like experience that needs to be done working on those, you finish what you were in top 10 or something like that. M- missed a yeah. couple, m- Would you miss the spear that day? Yep. Missed the spear that day. Have you hit a spear yet? I have not hit a spear okay. yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's another mm-hmm. area of development that, that will be worked on. But uh, yeah. um, so, the, and this is like, a, a and all things considered, I mean, when you were doing the, Jacksonville. And even the, the stadium was more like, Oh, I'm going to hop in this. It's out in Arizona is where I live now. So I'm gonna hop in this and just see what happens. And Jacksonville, you were still really had your eyes set on uh, best Ranger competition, right? So you were just kind of doing it almost in prep and prep for later in the season and get that, that elite gate gate open for you. So this was, seems like it was the first time where you really put in specific training toward toward this and you ended up fourth overall and you like could have easily been on the podium with this so how are you feeling overall about the race
3: i i've got mixed emotions i mean for the most part i feel good right it's a it's a new event it's a new space so um i can't be too mad especially with some guys that that have experience um not only on that course specifically but just in spartan overall um so for the most part i'm i'm pretty happy obviously frustrated that uh a spear throw at the end of the day can play so heavily into the uh, into the uh, event as a whole, um, and take you from you know contention uh, up in a in a solid place to all of a sudden you're running in no man's land and and just trying to recover. Um, that that's been the most frustrating part, but but it's part of the game, and everybody plays by the same rules. So uh, the other guys that hit their spears, it, it is what it is. They
0: it was their day. It really is what is what it is, and I've I struggled with that so much. I was like, "Well, if only it wasn't for this, or if only this went better, I would have done, I would have been on the podium, or I would have won this race." And but that's not how it is. It's just you just gotta (laughs) like deal with the rules. The uh, Nick and I were talking because he's he's similar. He has similar feelings about the the spear, and I think everybody does, especially when you're not hitting it. (laughs) You know, when it's just like when you're missing and it's costing you positions. What would you like to see? What do you think would be a better alternative to because it seems like what they're and like the best range of competition has you know similar things that they're trying to test right like testing accuracy and like being able to like hold your composure a little bit in that like do you think that there's a better alternative to something like a spear throw
3: I, i'm not sure if there's a better alternative and i understand that it comes with like the culture of the company and, and the idea Spartan of Spartan the whole. yeah yeah um but, I do think, in terms of like penalty uh assessment, um, it does not make sense to me that burpees are then the penalty for uh, what is essentially a foot race, and I think too, there's so much variability in like burpees, for instance, a, a Logan Broadbent who is a, a shorter, more compact athlete when I was watching him do burpees on a replay, I was like, "Holy cow, I can't believe he can do burpees that fast, and mm-hmm. it's a benefit to him because because of his his height and i mean he must practice them a ton right but i think then you have someone in a booth watching people's burpees and saying like that doesn't count that does count and if you just made it a penalty loop you would remove a lot of the uh a lot of the variability and and you just you'd make it a more uh a more standardized thing um instead of something yeah. up to subjectivity
0: yeah and that's that seems to be the thing and now that they're playing around with the penalty loops maybe they will start to and now it's kind of random right like sometimes it's the penalty loops for the spear sometimes it's it's not and maybe it's just they're constrained to the terrain but maybe eventually it'll be like okay if you miss twister that is burpees if you miss the spear that's a penalty loop just so it can and have it be like the same distance uh, because that's the, one, that's the problem that I'm seeing now with these penalty loops is that they're just, they're just inconsistent penalties, right? So, like, yeah. somebody misses Twister and somebody else misses the monkey bars. One person has to do burpees. The other person has to do a penalty loop. Like, that's not fair, you know? So, they, yeah. they need to figure they need to figure that all out. Nick had an interesting idea kind of treating it like the tire flip where you get as many chances as you want to kind of hit it. Like, if you miss, you get to reel it back in and throw it again, or you can pick the penalty, right? Or you could just be like, I missed twice. I'm just going to do the penalty, so I'm not sitting here all day. So you, so a little bit of strategy kind of goes into it as well. I was like, eh, that seems all right.
3: Yeah, I, I think something like that makes a lot more sense, especially for something that's so skill-based and not really uh, uh, like exertion-based. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, it would be a, a good game to play because the same thing happens on the tire too time and you got your tire flip you've also lowered your heart rate and you're in a better position to run out of that that obstacle mm-hmm. so it is a catch-22
0: they play around with stuff too one time i it wasn't at this race but there was some sort of gun that they had and i don't know if it was like a laser gun like I, it was something that they shot at a target instead of the spear one time so cool. maybe maybe they'll play around with stuff i like maybe they'll get like a basketball out there throw a football same kind of thing yeah. Yeah. um
3: i mean yeah, the modern biathlon has those, uh, like, laser pistols with no recoil, no nothing, but instant feedback on, like, hit, no hit. And I know they use those in the uh,
0: the Olympics. And it says it on, like, your gun, or where does it say? Like, you hit? like the, tar- the target will light up um, oh. immediately after, like,
3: pulling the trigger. And so one of the uh, events in the modern biathlon is basically, like, you run 800 meters, you grab a pistol you pick it up off the table. You, I think it's like five or six shots in rapid succession. You set it down, you run 800 meters and you repeat that like three or four times. And that's an event.
0: Huh? Isn't, yeah. isn't that also Isn't there some like equestrian part of <laughs> yeah, pentathlon?
3: Yeah. yeah, there, there's a, there's an equestrian portion. There's uh, swimming, there's uh, the running and shooting, there's fencing. Um, it's, it takes its lineage back to like the old military and, what you would need to be oh, successful.
0: Is it a military event? Yeah, yeah, uh, that, that's
3: where it gets its its origin from.
0: Interesting, because that's where uh, Jack Daniels, who the Jack Daniels formula, that's what his background is in. He wasn't like straight running. He's like his hundred yep. pentathlon. I remember hearing, I was like, what <laughs> on, on, <laughs> <Yeah>. on horses? <laughs> like, yeah. All right, cool. Um, yep. So when we are looking at this course going into it, the it, it was very flat in the beginning. And you were looking at this like, okay, great. Like this is to my advantage because you're definitely one of the most fit people, probably one of the best runners at any Spartan race. And this, this race was pretty, pretty stacked for a race that just happened to be like in the Northwest. Like, um, guys like Chris, Bob Brown, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick mask, obviously. And Josh Fry very solid, just like, and then even guys like Matt rock, Taylor Turney, John Howell, John Howard, really deep field but still like any Spartan race you show up to, you're probably gonna be one of the better runners. So you saw this and you're like, all right, cool. Like I'm going to use this to my advantage. So how did you, how did, how did like the beginning play out? Yeah.
3: So um, I walked up to the start line and immediately recognized uh, Chris Brown from the online footage. I've kind of been hawking and knew that obviously there was going to be more foot speed there. And, and with Nick there uh, that, that we would have a pretty solid group. So uh, it went off, there was a little climb and then, uh, we descended onto like a, a flat portion and it really was not obstacle dense. I think the first three miles, there were like three or four obstacles total. And they were the, the simple ones, like a, a six foot wall, four foot walls, the armor. Um, and we came through the first 5k in about 1710 to 1715. That's fine. Um, for the first five kilometers. And, how'd that feel, how'd that feel uh, for you? That felt for me super comfortable. Nice. Um, Nick, Chris, and I—we were all kind of talking in the pack, um, so I, I was still able to, you know, get out one sentence at a time. I felt super comfortable. The legs felt uh, really, really good, um, and so that start really, really allowed us to kind of open up um, some space on on just about everybody else.
0: So, it was you guys at the at the front, so that was kind of how you were um, expecting, and then it, we right? got
3: into a of uh, some like rolling hills. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wasn't much of a, a, shock there. Um, then we got into some rolling Hills and I think, uh, Chris, uh, is still a little, uh, tied up from his trip out to a triple C. Yeah. Um, and I think he's definitely got some fatigue in his legs from that. Cause the second we started hitting some rolling terrain is when he kind of started, uh, falling back from Nick and I. Um, and we went into a couple big climbs where Nick and I would like jog up the climbs and you could hear that, uh, Chris was breaking into like a a power hike up, up those hills. So maybe it was a a tactical play, but I really think he was, he was still pretty sore from, from his event. So then, uh, then it started to kind of break up over time. Um, Nick and I went through, uh, two descents where he led and there were just like a lot of turns and a lot of, uh, these like blackberry briars. And he had put in a, a little gap on me, um, at that point. Um, and then once we got back into open terrain and I could see him, I, I started trying to uh, just tee off of him and, and use him to uh, keep the momentum. And uh, we got to mile eight and there was the spear throw. Mm-hmm. And I come up to the spear throw and I look over and I see that Nick is doing burpees. Um, so it, instantly I went into like, hey, stop running, walk to the spear, try and catch your breath um, slow everything down, grab the spear, make sure it's in the center of your hand. And I kept telling myself, don't cross your arm over your body. Don't cross your arm over your body. Don't. And the second I threw it, I crossed my arm over my body <laughs> and I didn't even wait to see where the spear went. I just ran to the burpee pit. Um, cause the second it left my hand, I was like, that's wide left.
0: That's the ba- ba- sure. I th- threw that like a baseball. That's what, that's what, <laughs> I, that's what I just did. <laughs>
3: yep. Uh, So I got to the burpee pit um, and I think I did like four or five burpees and then Nick was out of the burpee pit. Um, I watched Chris come up, he hit his spear right away. And then uh, Josh Fry came up and hit his spear. And we, I left the burpee pit at the same time he left the spear.
0: Oh, nice. Um,
3: So we were together and we went into a little bit of a climb right into the sandbag. And to Josh's credit, he put it to me on that climb. And the second he grabbed the sandbag, he hammered. Hmm. Um, and I tried to match it. And I think, you know, hindsight, that was probably the tactical error of the race, uh, was trying to match the move straight out of burpees. Um, I should have ran more within myself and allowed my body to recover a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but he, he put me in a, in a hurt locker there. Uh, and it took me about another mile and a half after I set down the sandbag finally to to catch my legs back up and uh by that time I was checking my watch I was back down the 530 uh pace on the the flats um but just ended up running out of room to to run run him back down and he ran a super strong uh last 3 4 miles so he made it tough
0: he's good right he he's yeah. done a lot and he's always going to be any any race in the northwest like he's probably going to be on the podium so like coming out of the burpees were you just, was it even thinking about that? Were you feeling pretty gassed and you were just like, I just need to be engaged in this race. I need to kind of get back into it. Or like what made you decide to go with him?
3: Yeah. So it was just kind of that competitive spark of, um, you know, coming out of 30 burpees, I was like, okay, obviously I've, I've put time and distance on him prior to this point. So I should like immediately in my mind, I was like, I should be able to match, you know, whatever he's about to do. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just match it and then figure out the race from here. Um, and I think I was more gassed than I thought. And I let just like my competitive nature tell me like, no, just go, just go, just go. Uh, and that was not, I think
0: fruitful. <laughs> yeah. It's tough at that time though, because you don't know this is your first, yeah. like, crack at this distance and how things are going to feel in and out of carries is just sometimes for me, when that happens, I almost, I feel different almost every single race. Like sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not good. And I don't really know why, but like for you, when you're leading into this, I know Mark God he he credits his military background to like really enjoying the carries and he's pretty solid. I'm like, he likes to kind of get in these big grindy uh, long races that have like really hard, terrible carries. Were you thinking the same kind of thing where like when the carries come around, like I'm, I'm more than prepared for something like this. So was that in your mind at all? Were you looking forward to the carries?
3: Yeah, I was really looking forward to the carries. I've been training uh carries out here with a hundred pound bag. Um, And so I was super confident about, you know, the, the second we're going to put a, a bucket or a, a sandbag on on the back, I'm, I'm ready to roll. I think the bucket uh, caught me a little bit by surprise just on like the way you have to hold it. It kind of gets awkward and puts Weird. your head like pinches your head down a little bit, cuts off a little air. Wasn't expecting that. Um,
0: Did you put it across this- your shoulders?
3: Yeah. I put it across my shoulders and then I tried to shift it to the side to see if that was easier and then went back to the shoulders because that seemed to be the fastest. A little bit faster. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah.
3: Fastest way to move it. And then uh, the sandbag, the only thing that caught me by a surprise on the sandbag is that it's not filled. So it's kind of like two lumps of sand hanging to either side of your body. And so the sand's not really centered on your back where it's fast. Mm. And uh, while I was, running with it i realized that if i stopped for a second and adjusted it to fold it in half yeah and then put put just the sand so it's sitting on my back i can move with the sandbag a lot faster um and that ended up i think helping a lot
0: that's how i like to do it too i saw i actually saw vj jones do that at a race one time before he got out grabbed it by one end dumped all the sand to one side folded it over then stuck it on his back but you will see people like have it draped over maybe on a climb it's easier that way if it's like a but i don't i don't really like that feeling at all no
3: and and i think like uh similar to mark's background um you know if you pack a rucksack you pack everything high and as close to your body as you can Mm. um up on your shoulders and the sandbag's no different than that and if you have awkward on your front obviously now you're relying on a whole different shoulders i think it's the same same difference between like a front squat and a back squat mm-hmm. why everyone can back squat significantly heavier than they
0: can front squat so yeah that's a good point point. and on the map they had was the sandbag and the bucket flipped there was a bucket carry here yeah so there was a bucket
3: there the map that they posted and what happened in reality were two different things for example they had like the uh the tyro traverse um at mile three it was at mile eleven. Um, they had the sandbag at mile six. It was after the spear. Um, so what, what was on the map and then, uh, the order of events in which we actually hit things were, were a little different.
0: Where was the bucket then? Cause I see how the, it says the bucket was after the spear on the map was the bucket early. Yeah. yeah
3: the bucket was before the spear, right before rolling mud.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's just on the map. It, it's just flipped. Okay. I flipped. See. Okay. Got it. So then are you in no man's land after that? Like you don't, Josh drops you on the sandbag. Are you you solo after that for the last four or five miles?
3: Yeah. So we went through a section that was wooded with a lot of turns. um, And I couldn't really keep track of them there. And then finally we got to uh, some flat, flat running um, and like open terrain. And I could see them up uh, probably about like a minute and a half ahead Um, and I, I just started keying off of them. And then we hit the, uh, like a river that had a, a rocky bank off to the right side and then water, uh, that was only like, you know, three, four inches deep. And I made the decision to run on the rocks on the right side. And after the race, I talked to Nick and was like, Hey, which route did you take? And he said he ran in the water, uh, and that it was faster than dealing with those, uh, you know, uh, baseball sized rocks on the shoreline. Um, and so I think that was probably then where I, I lost, uh, the chance for contact. And then we actually got, I got to the, uh, final multi-rig just as Josh had dismounted the multi-rig. Um, I went across the rings, across the bar, and then found myself with absolutely no momentum. And they had positioned the ropes a little higher up, uh, than the bar set. Um, and so I was just hanging from the bar and kind of, uh figuring my way through it and then transition to the first rope i got a cramp in my hamstring <laughs> and then i kind of just held it there got across the ropes rang the bell and then had to take a second to to uh work out that cramp before continuing but um
0: were there i think uh, that were there spectators yeah, at the multi-rig were they like come on come yeah, on yeah <laughs> the,
3: well the, they were like the uh the uh Uh, volunteers volunteers. yeah and a cameraman and i was (laughs) like please dear god don't take a picture of me like just at one point i was just hanging on the bar looking at the rope and i'm pretty sure i i probably said like an expletive and was like how do i how do i get like further um and ended up just pulling up and like muscling through it but uh yeah when i came to like a complete stop on the rig i was like well that was with, you know, probably 800 meters left in the race. And it was kind of like, all right, now that I'm hanging here dead, I don't think, I don't think I can catch, catch him ahead. I've just got to focus on not failing this obstacle um, and not incurring, you know, a, another 30 burpees.
0: <laughs> so. uh, well, that's, that's, sometimes those leg cramps, they they can catch you so by surprise that, you drop, right? They they can be so painful and so strange and just out of nowhere. It's like, ah, even though it's not your arms or anything that matters for the obstacle. I've seen people fall off of obstacles a lot because of like calf and hamstring cramps. So nice job hanging on. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, it was a bizarre feeling because my legs did not feel like they were cramping at all during the race. And then it was like that motion of just hanging there with kind of your hamstring flexed that just Mm -hmm. lit it up in a second. And I was like, that's a, that's, Pretty interesting
0: uh i always set. i know i always find in those like things that like actually like walls or something like bender where i need to like, use my uh hip flexors to like pull my legs up is where i'll kind of cramp out of nowhere um for things like that so uh, just little things it's probably de- dependent on the runner for sure for each person um so what you feel like you did you did well uh i i'm
3: proud that i stuck the game plan i wanted to do um uh the running legs are are feeling really good and a lot of the obstacles uh, f- felt uh, super easy it was my first time going forward on twister um and that felt fine um it was my first time not doing a like alternating grip on beater and just doing it you know straight on like you would do monkey bars nice uh, and that that felt fine so all of like the overhead obstacles that I was, uh, you know, having not done it a lot, kind of nervous about all of them felt super secure. And I felt, um, tight on those. So, um, I think, you know, just staying alert during the race and and staying focused and then, uh, you know, taking your lickings, if you have to take them and, and trying to power through is going to continue to be the, uh, the, uh, the plan moving forward.
0: (laughs) There's just like, Like, even that you said about the riverbed, and the uh, going through the water, it's just these little things that you don't think you need to even prepare for. It'll just like show up on the terrain and be like, Oh, I'm not, this is, this is out of the ordinary. I'm not sure exactly how to do this, but yeah, just like I said, taking your licks. How did you do Olympus this time? Because that you missed that in Jacksonville, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I missed Olympus in Jacksonville. Um,
3: but it, it was fine. No problem. I think in Jacksonville, what I, I didn't do that I did this time is really get my knees up high, uh, to you know provide that that counterweight and i crossed my arms this time instead of going single hold to single hold uh, okay which
0: which helped significantly so it was faster so you did yeah. you did uh you do tyro the same as you do olympus just tuck those knees bend the arms and go yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah <pretty much. laughs> um what do you think you could do uh could do better i mean spear aside and like you mentioned the. Uh, you know, kind of getting outside of maybe potentially your game or being a little bit overextending yourself and in a point where you should have probably been conservative in a long race at like the sandbag carry, like where else do you think you could have improved as like a whole?
3: Yeah. So I think the, the two big things I'm taking away from it is one focus mid race Uh, uh, afterwards. I was, it's much like a a mile race where lap three is always the, uh, the difficult lap to get through. Uh, that mile, you know, seven to nine or seven to 10, um, just staying more dialed in and focused. Uh, after we had kind of ran, you know, the first six miles, I think I got a little overconfident with, you know, how my legs had been feeling and, and my positioning. Um, and I think it, it made me fall asleep and not keep the pressure on, uh, Mm. like, like I'm probably capable of, Uh, and then two Uh, I did not take a, a gel or a goo the entire race. I carried three of them with me and forgot about them completely until mile 10. And at that Mm. point I was like, if I take a goo right now, I'm not even going to, you know, get the glucose kick from it by the time this race is over. So,
0: um, so is that just the lack of planning? Like you didn't have like a plan on when you wanted to take it. You was like, (laughs) you just go into it thinking like, I'll just take this one. I feel like I need to take it.
3: Yeah. I, I just need to be more deliberate on, on the plan with, with the fueling. I I had it. And I had told myself like, Hey, at 45 minutes, um, in, you know, 40, 45 minutes in, you're going to take this goo. And then the first time I checked my watch, it was like an hour and seven minutes into the race. Um, and in hindsight we had, you know, 22 minutes of, of running left. And it was just kind of like, I I need to do a better job of of checking my watch early and often and, and doing some, uh, some like, uh, physiological
0: checks yeah
3: more deliberately
0: there's a lot to think about right yeah. and, and something like that you're racing and there's obstacles of terrain and then to have like nutrition and, and timing and so that's a good that's a good kind of takeaway um we were talking and you are thinking potentially tahoe Chris, Chris Bob Brown may have convinced you to do tahoe
3: yeah yeah after the race I was talking to him uh, a few other guys they had all mentioned you know tahoe's got a lot of open running um on you know some fire roads and, and some fire breaks and uh That's, that's the bread and butter of the running I've been doing out here. So that got me pretty pumped and, and yeah, we, we signed up and we're, we're going to go ahead with it.
0: Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. I I thought the same thing. I'd love to have, I'd love to see Nick out there too, even though, you know, you're at altitude, you've been training there for a while. So it's like, it wouldn't be necessarily a disadvantage for you. Um, So, yep. And it's just longer, a little bit climbing. I I love it for you. I think it'd be really fun. I think we could, how did you handle the, the terrain? Cause earlier in the season you also did savage race and that was one thing that was kind of a kind of wacky for you just dealing with the the technical terrain pieces and the downs it seemed like this course only had a bit of that but it sounded like nick kind of pulled away from me on that was it because of spacing or just lack of engagement or did or was it did you struggle with some of the technical pieces
3: so all i felt super confident with all of the the technical pieces um we were actually gapping Chris through some of the, uh, the, the technical stuff. And I, I felt super confident with it. The, the descent I lost, um, Nick on had like these vines across the ground. Uh, and while I was like confident with all the technical racing, uh, early in the descent, I kind of tripped on one and it sent me into this, like, Oh God, you're about to fall on your face at like, uh, you know, the, while you're descending, that's not going to go well. So I took more of my time, like picking my spots, going over the vines and Nick was just full sending it down the, uh, the hill. So, um, again, I think that was just like inexperienced and I got too cautious, but I think all the, uh, the trail running I've been doing out here is, has paid its dividends on, um, you know, the, uh, the technical one we're just talking about, uh, like, uh, a variable surface. Yeah. Um, that went pretty well.
0: And yeah, I like it for, for Todd. Cause I mean, there's some rocks like the the big descent has a little bit of it, like a real little bit, but you can, you can get going and moving on the, the gravel piece is really not very technical. It's pretty runnable. So I really like it for you. Uh, and you're still rocking the split shorts staying true. Oh yeah.
3: Yep. Yep. Stay, stay, stay true to the, uh, I don't know. Those we'll cross, see that,
0: that cross country runner boy shorts. I like it. Yeah. Are yep. you not getting the all like I'm for I'm pro split shorts. I, I don't look as they don't look as as normal as they do did because it a friend like a thin frame like looks good in and, and I just I have too much too much body now for split shorts. <laughs> it is like doesn't look the way that they used to but uh I the protection is also lackluster on are you scraped did, did, it, did that bother you at all or are you are you good on split shorts? You're like there's there, there there's no problem here.
3: And yeah, I, uh, you got me, I lost it for a second. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely learned that in Seattle. There is a, uh, a, a diminishing level of protection. Um, but I don't know. There's a part of me that, that just wants to stay true to the, uh, <laughs> to the split shorts. So I, I actually, re- I, I bought a pair of compressions um, compression shorts for racing, uh, a couple weeks ago, and they've got some nice pockets for, for gels and goos. And I think the play for Tahoe, uh, given the weather and, and what can happen up top, um, it's probably going to be compression shorts and, and probably some, uh, compression sleeves on the calves to eliminate the, uh, the rope from digging into the skin. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. I, I make sure I got like some quarters or some like, yeah, that's, that's how that's how I roll on those. But yeah, like because in, in Tahoe the ter- at the top where where the barbed wire has been, it's there's not really grass there. It's all like like rocky, sandy type of stuff. So like that's yeah. not that's not a great barbed wire experience. Um, <laughs> also you might want to think about gloves. I was just talking to somebody about gloves on um uh coach. There's these bleg mitts where you can yeah. like your, you are know, mittens, but they peel back so you can have your hands. Yeah. Um, so you might want to think about something like that for Tahoe too. I don't know how cold it's going to be or how you do with the cold, but
3: yes. Yeah, so I've been looking at the weather right now. Um, if it holds the way it, it says, right. I mean, it's in like, you know, uh, mid thirties, upper thirties, uh, at, you know, for the low of the day. So you're probably looking at forties at, at start time. Mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to go gloveless. I'd probably be the crazy guy that shows up with like not a windbreaker, no protection for the top. Tell um, you roll. Yeah. We, uh, I'll never, we had a, a regional meet in Wisconsin uh, when I ran um, uh, NCAA and it was like three degrees outside. There was like a <laughs> 30 mile an hour wind chill um, it was terrifyingly cold, and everyone had like gloves, sleeves on, hats, and I ran with absolutely no protection, and came across the line fine. My hands still felt warm, so I don't know what the issue is there, or if I still have that that uh, adaptation. Yeah, since not living in the Midwest, but I think I'll send it and find out.
0: You might as well. I mean, like being like we're. I was talking to. Uh, Josh Reed, who's just on podcast, he was saying like he was overdressed. He felt overdressed from like by just wearing a long sleeve and gloves and stuff like that. So it's definitely dependent on person to person. Um, yeah. well, cool man. Again, I'm super excited. I'm glad you got your first beast on your belt. Love Tahoe for you. I'm glad you're gonna con- continue to go after it. So um yeah, I'll make sure to hit the your socials and uh and, and all that, but people can follow along however they want. But um cool, that'll do it for us. Cool. All right, take care. See ya.